is Joel Marion. If you know Joel, he is uh, the host of the Born to Impact podcast, which is epically good. Uh, I love that he's a man of faith. I love that he's a phenomenal and world-class marketer. He, like Craig, is just one of the best when it comes to copywriting. And he also has figured out a thing that I know many of you are going to ask about and have asked about, which is, Brendan, how do I get other people to promote me? Many of you have been saying, well, I'm just starting. How do I get other people to promote me? Or I'm going to launch this new thing, Brendan. How do I get other people to promote that other thing? And I think that Joel is one of the masters of affiliate marketing over this last decade, like nobody else, who can give some insights on that too, as much as he can about living a good quality of life and making a real impact. Because as you heard, his podcast is called Born to Impact. And it's so dang good. Uh, with that, Joel, are you on the line, my yes. brother? Yes, sir. I am here. Hey! hey, hey, hey. <laughs> What's up, man? What's up, brother? Uh, Brendan is, is by far one of my favorite people in the world, and I'm stoked to be here. I am stoked to um, have the opportunity to serve your tribe, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, man. Well, first and foremost, uh, I miss you, too. I, I just I feel like it's just been years since I saw my friends. So uh, everyone who's wondering why I did Influencer Summit like this, I'm like, well, in three days, I get to see so many of my friends. It makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I'm dying to give you a hug in person, and that time will come soon enough. Absolutely. Joe, I'd love to talk with you today about um, you, you have so many facets to your career, but um, I really believe that you are just one of the great marketers alive who knows the story and the history of marketing, who's written the copy, who's tracked and measured and made sure things sell and people watching here at the end of the day you can have a great audience but if you can't sell something you're in trouble but also the flip side of of, of actually the foundation side of that is too you, you're a man of faith and service and to to deeply want to help people and still know how to sell people often think are different things yeah and your when i think of you i always think of your ability i'm like wow Joel can go out and, and write a sales letter that would sell or sales video that would sell a kerbillion things, but he's going to do it also in, in, in a way that, you know, has some spiritual integrity to it. And I just, I honor you for that. So maybe you can tell a little backstory of how you got into your current role, both born to impact, but also you run BioTrust and is co-founder of BioTrust, which is a supplement company that is, just extraordinarily huge. And I think people are interested in learning about that too. Sure. So I'll try to give the quick version of, of my story. Uh, came from a very middle-class home um, and was the first in my family to go to college. I uh, went on to be a teacher. I taught high school health and physical education my first three years out, out of uh, college. And um, I always had this burning desire that there was uh, why I love the impact on the kids. I wasn't into a lot of the uh, bureaucracy of being in uh, part of the school system. And I wanted more freedom in my life. So I had this burning desire to create freedom, to create income um, for me and my future family. So I was a, a young man at the time, 23 years old. Um, and I, want, I wanted to be an author first, um, thinking that, you know, my future was going to be just writing traditionally published books. 
and uh, have New York Times bestsellers and then, you know, have sequels and create these little franchises. Like South Beach Diet was really big when I got into um, being wow. an author and health and fitness. Yeah. So I was like, man, I just wanted to create like the next thing that got was as big as South Beach, you know, and I, and I thought that I had a really intriguing idea. I had a, a concept where I was teaching people writing for some of the magazines that I was writing for um, how to use their favorite foods strategically uh, and implementing cheat meals into their dietary program to actually manipulate hormones and metabolism and burn fat faster. So I thought I had a really remarkable concept. Like who doesn't want to learn how to use pizza to lose fat faster, you know? <laughs> and um, I actually, uh, you know, there's, there's struggles all along the way. And for those who are listening, I just want to encourage you to not be discouraged because if I look back at from when I was a teacher to when I actually started like had a breakthrough and was actually making money, sustainable money in business. That was probably a five to six year stretch. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily going to happen overnight. Although when it does happen and you, and, and you know, uh, our friend James clear gives the analogy of a stone cutter who's wailing away at the stone blow after blow after blow. And it's like, nothing's happening. Right. And I'm like, 75 76 and you're just ready to give up and say like this this thing is never going to break and then all of a sudden on the 97th blow the whole thing comes crashing down right and you have this major breakthrough and that's how most people's stories are it's uh, they call it the plateau of latent potential where it seems like there's nothing happening at first and then you stick with it you persevere you have patience you just believe that you're going to get there eventually as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then wham, you turn the corner and there's like the golden city. Right. So that was kind of what it was like for me. I had um, a lot of struggles to even get my first book published, but then I had this breakthrough where I got this um, really, uh, you know, semi-famous agent to represent me um, after being turned down by six or seven agents and I got a $100,000 book deal, which for a 25-year-old kid was like a big deal. And then the book did not perform as we had anticipated when it came out. And I had taken the year off from teaching. And I was in a position where I was either going to have to figure out plan B, because I was running out of money. Um, I was going to figure out plan B, or I was going to have to go back to teaching. And I did not want to go back to teaching, you know, I, and, and I was, I was even in this weird thing and maybe some people can relate to this where everyone knew that this book was coming out. I had, everyone was like rooting for me or waiting to see what happened at least. And then, um, the book flopped and I was embarrassed. Like I didn't even want to go out of the house for a while, you know? Um, and, and it's like, Oh, Joel, who had these big dreams, just his dreams got smashed, you know? And, uh, and I think a lot of people have some moments like that. And, and again, I could have just said, okay, I guess the book thing didn't work out and I'm going to go back to, um, I'm gonna go back to teaching and, and, you know, I gave it my best shot, but I didn't, I didn't settle for that story. You know, I didn't, I knew that, okay, this was, this didn't go out, this didn't happen the way that I wanted to. This didn't necessarily go down the way that I would have hoped and dreamed, but I know still that there's a brighter future for me. So I had to pivot. So I ended up um, pivoting into self-publishing. I went back to teaching that same year because I had to make some money, but I got my self-publishing business off the ground. And one of the things that you had to mention, mentioned was, um, 
kind of affiliates. And that whole year I did nothing but become friends with all the top players in the industry that I wanted uh, to be in, which was online health and fitness, people who were self-publishing, selling eBooks and um, clickbank.com was the largest digital marketplace marketplace in the world at the time, probably still is. And uh, they have this thing called the marketplace. It's kind of like a bestseller list. So I went to the health and fitness category and I printed off the first two pages. It was the first 20 products. I found out who owned the products or who the authors were. And I had them like on my vision board. That was my hit list of all everyone that I wanted to get to know. And I started one by one, um, just adding value to people's lives, whatever I could do. Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Geary, who was a close personal friend of mine now, was actually one of the first people that I connected with. And, I, you know, I had a print book, which was kind of uh, prestigious in the eyes of the self-published guys. So I said, hey, I can I can I was also writing for some print magazines. So this is a, a, just examples of what you could do to network your way into spaces and with people who you would think you don't really have any business having a relationship with, yeah. which, you know, what could I do for so-and-so? What could I do for them? And what I did was I said, Hey, I'm on the, I'm on the um, advisory board for men's fitness. I would love to get you featured in the magazine if you like. And that was just kind of like a feather in the cap for some of these guys. So a bunch of them took me up on that. That was, although that didn't make me any money, <laughs> being on the advisory board for men's fitness, it was a cool way to network my way into some other world. So I used that. Our own credibility often, you know. Right, and right. Like, and I had this print book and I said, hey, let me send you a, 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 a copy of my print book. And I would love to write a testimonial for your ebook that you could use in your marketing however you see fit. And you can use my name and, you know, it's as, as a uh, author of um, – cheat to lose diet and as the uh men's you know trainer on the men's fitness advisory board or however you see fit so i was trying to add value however i could and i even said like listen i'm, I'm actually trying to get and learn about the ebook space and i would be happy to answer customer service tickets for you if i could just shadow you a little bit and ask you a few questions here and there so i did, even did that with a couple of the guys that i was wanting wow. to, to, to network with i love that that's that's humble and it's also, you know, value driven to yeah. something everybody needs. So that's awesome. Yeah. Everyone's got customer service tickets. <laughs> so. does, I want to give a shout out to everyone listening to who's thinking about a book or, um, or hearing the conversation about eBooks here. Um, sometimes in other industries, you might call that, you know, white papers or, you know, you're selling PDFs of informational content, educational content, informational marketing, and realize that I, it's still amazing to me how few people uh, are doing that approach, like selling eBooks, if you will, guys is still huge online, like mega huge. It's like, so some of you think you have to write a 500 page book and one day it'll come out from a publisher, you know, two, three, four years from now, you could write 30 pages on a PDF and sell it for 10 bucks and make as much as you ever would with a book contract. And I just want to give a shout out to that model because I don't know about you, Joel. I feel like that model, yeah, it's not sexy. It's not as big as everything else. But I know you, you and I both know people doing millions of dollars a year with literally eBooks. So I think yeah. Well, here's here's my story. So I had this print book that flopped, and then I networked my way with all the top guys in the eBook space, while at the same time learning marketing because obviously I could know everybody in the world and. 
when it came time for me to launch my ebook, if the marketing wasn't good and the page didn't convert, and I wasn't able to pay, you know, good commissions to people, all the friendship in the world wouldn't have mattered. Still business, right? But um, what I what I did do is I put my heart and soul into learning marketing. I went back to teaching. I was kind of burning the candle at both ends, not only creating relationships, but studying my butt off and getting a second education in copywriting and marketing. And then when it came time later that year, what I did was we never sold the audio rights to the book. So I still own those. And then um, the publisher obviously owned the word for word uh, copy of that particular manuscript. So I just rewrote it and I created, turned it into six or seven manuals. The same exact concept that flopped in the traditional space that I felt was a marketable concept, but it just didn't go, you know, we didn't get the media or whatever. I didn't have a platform. That was a problem. I didn't really have the platform to drive my own sales. And I realized at that time that if this is going to work out for me, I cannot put my fate in another publisher's hand anyway. I wouldn't want to do that again. I need to learn how to sell books myself, how to drive traffic, how to have my own audience, interested in the content that I'm putting out, have these raving fans so that whenever I have something else that I want to put out there, I already have this built-in audience who's going to buy it up. So fast forward to April of that school year, I launched Cheat Your Way Thin. Now, the print book was called The Cheat to Lose Diet. Cheat Your Way Thin was a course. It was seven uh, manuals. It was some audio and video material. And the video material was simply screen capture stuff that I did on Camtasia, and, uh, which I don't even know if that's a program anymore. But uh, it's just some, some screen capture video. You know, it was pretty much me talking through a PowerPoint, teaching a lesson. And then in April of that year, we launched that product, and we did $461,000 in three days ah. and that was the start of like ah. then I had an email list then I had customers then I had um, an asset there that I could then continue to uh, provide value to recommend other products and services even send offers for some of my friends who promoted me who had complimentary stuff like some of the guys who promoted me had great exercise programs Everyone who buys a nutrition program wants to know what should I do for physical activity. So we were able to cross promote and create some great partnerships there. And then I was kind of off to the races. And that started my career in health and fitness, self-publishing. Real fast, Joel. I want to yeah. jump in. That's so like, y'all, I hope you heard that teacher book author, quote unquote, in his language, like failed book author didn't yeah. work. And got frustrated, had to learn marketing, learned marketing, but identified the people marketing in his niche, in his area, connected with them, added value to them so that they might promote something of his in the future. He repackaged something he already created into basically a course now, got all those people he just met to now promote his thing and goes from teacher to hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. <coughs> Now, like you said, that was in an overnight journey, but I want you to follow the process here. And the reason I want to especially shout out, because I think Joel and I were maybe going through that at a very similar time in our lives. And I was, um, that happened with me with Life's Golden Ticket, which some of you guys read my first, like that was my first big commercial book, Life's Golden Ticket. And it didn't do as, it, it, I mean, it hit, it, it charted really strong. But then in like the month or two afterwards, I just saw the sales decline at the launch. And I was like, but that was going to be my life. That was going to be my income. And I got upset enough about it to really learn 
marketing. And I want to emphasize something Craig said before, like learning copywriting, learning marketing. When you have that as a foundation, you're in control of your career. It's not the publisher. Like the publishers can't sell my books. I sell my books, right? I I can't hope that I find tons of affiliates. I've got to know how to do marketing. And then when you know how to do marketing and then you pull on ads or affiliates or publishers or other influencers promoting your stuff and you know the good base of marketing y'all that's where the boom happens and so i think joe and i had similar experiences and journeys there but uh i, I love that man yeah and one one thing leads to another um i just went down that path of being uh in self-publishing and in health and fitness ebooks and i net continue to build my network and then this guy josh bazzoni gets referred to me and he's looking to launch an ebook and he heard that I was the best in the world when it comes to ebook launches. So he wanted to have a conversation with me and uh, it was actually a very egotistical first exchange that we had (laughs) and uh, it's now my business partner in the supplement industry and we've, uh, you know, done over $700 million in sales together, but our first exchange, we always go back and, and, uh, and laugh about it. But um, ultimately we decided to partner on this ebook launch we did over a million dollars in six days with an ebook launch. And then we had such a great time working together that he approached me about, he wanted to, he came back from um, Bill Phillips and body for life and EAS. If you remember that book, body for life, that a huge supplement company back in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands called it EAS. And um, he came from that company and was looking into publishing and then wanted to get back into supplements. So he said, listen, I want to start the supplement company. I want it to be an all-natural brand. Uh, this is really um, filling a gap in the market right now that is uh, you know, missing. It's a high-quality, all-natural brand. And I would love for you, if anybody, to be my partner in this. So what I did was uh, we ultimately decided to go into business together, and here we are. That was 2011. It's now 2020, almost uh, nine years later. It'll be nine years in November. Um, we've done close to a billion dollars in sales. We've uh, donated over five million meals to hungry kids all across the globe. We have granted over 200 wishes with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, um, and just and we have uh, over 5 million customers who have enjoyed our products and seen their life changed and made dramatic transformations and got healthy and fit. So super pumped to be making an impact while also making a great living and a great income that I'm able to share with so many people, help so many people. Um, I started with relatively nothing. I was able to pay my parents' house off. I bought my father-in-law's house. I bought my mother-in-law's house. Um, I've taken really great care of my own family. I have two daughters and um, was able to have been able to provide uh, just an incredible lifestyle and a lot of, um, you know, leg ups and different things that they'll have access to in their life, which I'm grateful for things that I never had access to. and I had to fight for along my journey. Um, I don't take that for granted. We we go on epic vacations every year and we bring extended family and friends and other families who may not have the opportunity to ever do trips like this, but we're able to create memories and have bonding experiences. And it's really all because, um, you know, money is a vehicle and it's a vehicle to help people and it's a vehicle to make a difference and it's a vehicle to create those life-changing experiences, not only for yourself, but for the people around you. 
totally true, man. Give this guy a round of applause, by the way. Joel, this is so good, man. So good and so inspirational because I love how you, you know, it's the, Joel's such a humble soul. He's just talking all of a sudden. Yeah, and then we did $700 million. <laughs> and what I, but people don't realize, and I think they're coming to realize, like, we brought the weight to Influencer Summit. I mean, these folks who have been on and who are on these next couple of days, they're no joke, man. They're doing the stuff. They're putting it out there. They're serving people with millions of customers and fans. So I hope you'll take deep notes. Uh, two ways I thought we might aim today, um, the rest of our conversation, Joel, is... is real, real quick, Brendan, before we go into that, I want to make sure I touch on something that you mentioned in the beginning, and that's the art of getting comfortable with selling while still being a, an individual of integrity. And, That's where uh, I was just going to go. Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So here is what I try to teach people about selling. Your job is to sell people, and uh, Dave was just on here talking uh, about this, products and services that will impact their life. Well, why do you have to sell it instead of give it away for free? Well, we, we do give away a lot of content for free, but the reality is that most people don't do a whole lot with free. Right. If you want to take a look at the people who really made dramatic changes, they invested in themselves somewhere along the way. So, And, and I'm one of them. Um, when I first started, I invested in the coach. It was life-changing. And uh, towards the end of this conversation, I'd love to circle back there. But um, people who are invested financially are so much more likely to take action and actually follow through and see their life change. So we have products and services that are for sale. Some of them are as cheap as, you know, $9 and others go all the way up to thousands of dollars. But here's the thing. If you believe that what you're doing has true value, if you believe that whatever industry you went in, for me, it's health and fitness. If I believe that I have solutions for people that are truly in their best interest, it is my moral duty to sell those products into as many hands as possible. If I don't, if I say, oh, I'm just going to back off on how, and just going to be real passive on, on how I uh, get this information out there, and ultimately less people get impacted, I'm going to have... I'm going to be accountable for that at the end of the day. That, hey, man, you didn't push what you believed in. And I'm not saying be pushy where you're cramming it down people's throats, but I am saying have conviction what it is you're selling. Now, we also have a business mentorship group. You have to have conviction in what you're selling. I think that right. I don't want to interrupt Joel too much, but I also want to let you know all. I'm going to remind everybody watching this, like, we have nothing to sell. Like, Influencer Summit's free for the world. I'm not selling anything here. Uh, I'm not going to sell anything in the next three days. There's no big lead up. We're not going anywhere other than just driving the value. And because I'm a, a place of privilege to be able to do that with this friendship circle, I wanted to be bring them to the world. So he's sharing this not to lead you to sell. He's sharing this because you you can't build something without conviction. You can't build right. something without the willingness to get in there and offer it with confidence and joy and excitement. And you heard Craig talk about that too. Like you have to talk to people with excitement about what you have. And many of you are too apologetic for what you have because you're beginning. And you got to find something within you that says, no, you know what? Me providing great service and building a customer base, building a business, making real impact. It's worth me getting out of my comfort zone and telling people and shouting from the rooftop what I got with, with, with pride and with strength behind, with conviction, as Joel says. Go ahead, yeah. Joel. Yeah. So just another example of that is 
those who are uh, on the uh, on the session here today, you're probably familiar with the concept of masterminds. We have a very high ticket mastermind, and it's actually one that I've yet to make any money on. It's uh, the expenses of it are so outrageous that um, we were just really putting this amazing opportunity out for people. And so many of my friends who do well in business were very tentative about jo- joining because the price tag was really high. And I I remember having hour, two-hour phone calls with some of these guys. And these are guys that I've known for years, you know, and saying, listen, like, you need to be a part of this. This You have to join. It shouldn't even be a question in your mind. I don't know how you didn't already jump at this, you know, and I'm, I'm talking to these guys. Like, these are friends of mine. And a couple of them who it took like two or three phone calls to finally get them to pull the trigger have come back and tell me like, oh my goodness, dude, thank goodness that you told me and pushed me to be part of this because my business has tripled this year. And because I knew how we were going to show up and deliver for these people, right? And if you know that once somebody gets, now, if you're selling something that's junk, this doesn't apply to you, okay? Or if you're, if you're going out there selling the service and it's about the money and not about the service that you're going to deliver and not about how you're going to impact people's life and 10x the value, then this isn't what for you and what I'm talking about. But if you can say, hey, if, you can, if you're going to invest $1,000, I'm going to give you $10,000 worth of value, whether that's no matter what niche you're in. I can do that in a, in a personal training co- coaching program that's a couple hundred dollars a month and someone sticks with me for five or six months and I can dramatically change their life. Now they have more energy to spend with their kids. They're, they're, they're going to live years longer. They're living a much higher quality of life. What is that worth? Is that worth $1,000 to people? Of course it is, right? And I can step-by-step step show them the way to get there. In business, it can be a financial ROI. You're putting $1,000 out there to hire a coach or to get some consulting or something like that. And you can see, like, if you're the consultant and you're selling consultant services, if you know that when for every person that gives you $1,000, as long as they follow what it is that you tell them to do, that they're going to get $10,000 or $100,000 at 10 to 100x return, you should be selling with conviction to every single person that you get on the phone to close that deal, right? So... I would uh, never look, so many people are just tied up with looking, so, oh, I don't want to sell too hard. I don't want to, uh, you know, I think, I don't, I don't want people to feel like I'm being too salesy. And of course, there's always a point where you are, you could, you know, cross the line of being a jerk in the sales process. But if it's truly looking out for the other person's best interest, Stop worrying about being too salesy. Stop worrying about selling and realize that, look, if you do, I'm worried about what's going to happen to this person if they don't take the offer. Yeah. If they don't, if they don't sign up, right. If they don't, because I don't know who, who they may stumble on and they may figure it out, but it may take them 10 times longer to figure it out. You know, jump in there too, Joel, because you know, it's not just a guys, it's not just a, um, you know, I I guess the way I think about it is uh, people often say, well, I don't want to do that because it's too salesy. And I always say, well, no, you'd want to do that because it's too uncomfortable for you. Right. Because you don't yet have that skill set of selling. It's not too salesy. It's that you don't know how to do it yet. It's not too salesy. It's that you don't know how to do it yet for you in your style. And the problem is the only way over that is to actually do it more. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, I don't want to, it's too salesy, Brandon. I don't want to do it. I'm like, oh, bummer. Because the only way to make sure it's not too salesy is for you to gain the skill and to find your path and what's authentic and integrous to you. And when you find the way that you do it, 
And you have the guts to look at the results to see if it's working and to gauge whether or not it's integrous, congruent with who you are. Then it's no longer too salesy. You're just friggin' enthusiastic to do what you do following basic marketing principles that now moves the needle for people. Like I was the worst. <laughs> Many people would tell I was so bad at selling at the beginning. I was just, cause I was too happy. I was just like, ah, I, was, I was so happy. And I was worried about, I was so happy. I got to do my art and share my passions and what I was learning that people were like, why don't you sell harder? When does like, like make the call to action. I'm like, well, I told them about it. And it, you know what the problem was? My girlfriend had to buy my groceries and I couldn't pay my rent. Like you, you, you can be, you know, in, in your righteous mind of salesy, but what the truth is, it's not that you're righteous. It's that you're inexperienced in the skill set, and you're scared to try. And there's not enough stakes on you that you have to figure this out. And yeah. that's how people get away with saying it's too salesy. When those conditions are met, you learn to, you learn to make the argument for what you have. Look at who your customer is, the people who did say yes, and maybe it was somebody who just had a, you know, we call uh, a low action threshold, right? You didn't have to convince them a whole lot. They just went ahead and said yes, right? But you, whatever it is, you probably have some clients already. Are those clients happy? Are those clients who have been helped by your service? Don't If, if the answer is yes, which I'm sure it is, don't you want more people to experience that same success? So when you get somebody on the phone and they're thinking about buying your service, it's your moral obligation and duty to get them to see the value and ultimately say yes. And sometimes that takes some convincing. I've had, I had guys who said no to our mastermind group, and I said, you're making the wrong decision. Now, that may like say, whoa, like, who are you to tell me I'm making the wrong decision? I'm saying, listen, I'm just, as a friend, you're making the wrong decision. You're looking at this from a scarcity mentality. You're looking at this as you somehow you're not going to ROI it. Why else would you not do it? You don't believe in yourself enough, right? And that may have ruffled some feathers for a second, but ultimately when they came around and they said, you know what? You're right. I need to do this. And then next thing you know, businesses are growing. And they're like, I got, I got 10, 10x my ROI. So thank you, Joel, for like pushing me to do that. You know, sometimes you got to give people tough love. And, and that may be a sales con- consultation. And not a not a close friend like it was with me, and and for me even with a close friend that can get more uncomfortable real quick, right? <laughs> if you get being uncomfortable is the key to everybody here being a more effective and a broader um, and broader and more significant influencer and teacher. Like my greatest one of my greatest skills, believe it or not, as a coach is being willing to say the uncomfortable truths being willing to hold people accountable, uh, as he said, a little tough love. Like, if you can't give tough love to your audience or to your client, and obviously to yourself too, while you're sharing and being vulnerable, people won't believe you. They think you're just going to be a good day friend. And as soon as they're going through something rough, they're not going to think of you as a solution. So be willing to, like tough love moves the needle in the growth of your business. And be willing to go there. Uh, I love that story, Joel. That's great. That's great. Where Where do you want to go from here? I'm yeah, an open book. Uh, this is, you know, y'all. I, the reason I had Joel here, um, and I, I, Joel's been such a great, so so great to me the last couple of days because I've moved the schedule around a little bit. One of my hopes was that Joel could help us round this out today because we've talked about so many high level concepts of 
of, of what to do on social media or, or books or podcasts, um, you know, copywriting and, and, and like big picture of the career from what I shared this morning. But I wanted to land it for people that this is a business and that you want to be, you know, have the conviction to sell some things. And one of the things I felt like Joel could add here, Joel, is that you're so good at putting together, you know, these irresistible offers, if you will. Um, and that's a phrase in our market, in the, in the more of the marketing side, in the influencer thought leader world, they often don't get that. They're, it's like, sell a hoodie? Okay. Sell one subscription? Okay. But they're not like, can you just talk us through how you think of putting together a killer irresistible offer and why people would buy it? Because a lot of people here are, they are good at actually social media. They do have followers, but they, they can't make something sell. And so they just crush themselves of taking too many brand deals or they crush themselves of, of working so long trying to sell, you know, tchotchkes or, or things that are undervalued based on what they could offer. So maybe you can just talk us through like offers. Yeah, so I think it's two different things. When you're talking about merchandise, right? Like a hat, would somebody going to pay for that, right? Um, it, now, unless you're talking about designer hat and people paying for a name brand or something, like there's a ceiling to what a hat is worth to people. When you're talking about information products, which I think a lot of people who will probably listen to this and people who will consider themselves influencers, if they are uh, really happy, not, I'm not talking about an influencer who's, who's got 10 million followers because they look you know, they're attractive. I'm talking about influencers like Brendan and like the other people who are on uh, Jay Shetty's and the, you know, Craig Clemens and the Jenna's and other people and Dave and, and other people that you heard from today uh, who are, who are, have businesses where there's true impact being made. And they're, they're helping other people literally change their lives, whether it's relationships at home, whether it's starting a business and being successful, whether it's Jenna and talking to the moms and, and how, you know, getting these mom blogs off the ground and all these types of things. Um, this, this true impact-driven coaching and all these different types of things. So uh, if you are in that type of business where, where you're selling a product or service and it's information-based, the true, the true key to having an irresistible offer is to have the value. We always say, and it's a simple thing, and maybe you've heard it before, but it's worth reminding people, is that it should be your job, whatever you're selling, to show the person who is the potential customer or buyer that there's at least 10 times the value here compared to what you're charging. So if you got a $97 product, you better be able to show somebody $970, $1,000 worth of value, right? If you got a $1,000 uh, service, you need to be able to show somebody $10,000 worth of value. Now you can do that by giving them a bunch of stuff, or you can do that by showing them how it's going to impact their life, or you can show them how it's going to easily impact their business and pro provide a financial ROI. Or if you're in the health and fitness space, it could just, um, so here's a good example and just a very simple way of what I did with uh, my book turned ebook, right? Or course, how much would you pay for a print book? Probably 30 bucks is the ceiling, right? No one's going to Barnes & Noble and buying a book for 75 bucks. doesn't happen. But we were able to take the same content from that book that was priced at, at the time, probably $24.95 or something like that, cover price, 18 bucks on Amazon. And we took the same content, put it in 
a seven-part course. Some of it was audio, some of it was video, which was simply PowerPoint and me teaching on audio, and then manuals. Same content that was in the book, and we sold it for ninety-seven bucks. How do we do that? And it's an ebook. I had no hard costs associated with it. I was selling air at that point, right? I'm selling information, but like there's no cost for the deliverables. So how did I take something that had a everyone had in their mind that this is worth no more than 25 bucks as a print book? And how do I make it look like it's worth way more than $97? Well, we have all these manuals and each one has a $29 value. And next thing you know, you got $400, $500 worth of value for 97 bucks. And then we do, you know, have, have, you know, special three day only $47. Now you've got that 10 X value that's there. That's that irresistible offer, even though it's the same content. That's why information, it's all about how you market it and how you present it is to what people will feel comfortable paying for it. If it's a book, a print book, this is going to be a ceiling of what someone think that thinks that's worth because they're anchoring it to the traditional bookstores. But if you have a course now, that shows it's 10 times the value and it's got all these different manuals and audio uh, and, and video and stuff like that. Now you can show that that thing is worth 500 bucks and people are comfortable spending 50 bucks on it. Uh, so that, I mean, that, that's just one example. And, and when we sell supplements, we paint the picture. We, we do uh, forward pacing, it's called, where we say, here's what life could look like if you have, uh, you know, this supplement as well as, you know, a healthy lifestyle in place. But with the aid of this, here's what life can look like. If you're selling somebody something for, um, uh, like we have a really, a really great joint supplement. It's, it's probably, I would, I consider it and uh, call me biased, but um, we just have the best research and development department. And for people who have bad joints, it like blows glucosamine and chondroitin and all those things way out of the water. And it's only one tiny pill a day. And the people who have used it are, are rave about it. So, but to somebody who has joint pain and that's nagging them every single day and you forward pace them to a life where they're pain free, what is that worth? Right? It's how do you get somebody in the mindset that the solution that you have is worth whatever it is that you're asking them to pay for it? Is it a reasonable price? I don't want to just give people a reasonable price. I want to give people a great price for whatever solution it is. That um, So I always go back to, can I paint the picture of 10 times the value? Whether that's tangible value, whether it's it looks, you know, I can easily assign a monetary value to each component of this course, whether it's future pacing, um, the, you know, the freedom and the life that somebody wants. Uh, whether it's ROI on a business, how can I show them that whatever it is that they're going to invest, they're going to see 10 times the value um, at the end of the day. And it's a lot easier to make for, for somebody to pull the trigger when they say, man, this is worth 10 times what's being asked and I'm going to see amazing value in my life than if somebody is kind of saying, mm, I don't know if that's worth it. That's good. I love that, man. I love that. So, so helpful. That painting, the picture y'all, if you're trying to sell something, you got you got to start there. Just start there. What, what does that future look like? It's different for their for people and paint scenes of that. What what does a scene of their new life look like? And describe it to them and talk them through it and have like like have them think through what their thoughts will be in that space. It's so powerful. I do want to switch gears a little bit with you, Joel, because just like so many people who came on today, I know everybody watching there's people in these transitions and they're coming from one role and they're trying something new in the influencer space. You certainly gone through that in the last two years of 
Joel being the like everyone knows brilliant marketer running Biotrust, you know, selling hundreds of millions of dollars of stuff. And now, oh yeah, now I'm going to start a podcast, you know, now I'm, now I'm going to get big on Instagram. And I, I, since they went through that, right. Then went through that some level, like every, 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 everyone today went through this transition. I want everyone listening to realize that all this transition from something to making this more and more of our career or our outreach or our impact. So I'd love for you to talk about, like, how did you decide to start Born to Impact podcast? And what did you learn about launching a podcast that you think that might help other people launch either a podcast or something else? Because launching a new thing, like stepping into you know the spotlight and launching something, it's kind of nerve wracking, no matter how good you are at anything. Right. Right. I mean, you come from doing uh being really good at one thing and having done 700 million dollars in sales in this one arena and kind of been known you know joel marion's lebron james of email marketing right like people our, our friend pete bar just dubbed me as that and like I'm, I'm like a ninja at certain things over here and then this podcast thing i've been a guest on a bunch of podcasts but i never hosted a podcast before you know and when i got the idea to do it and that you know without going into too much detail my the conviction to do the podcast came from me going through a really difficult storm in my own personal life. And I had a really bad year. Um, personally, a lot of crap just hit the fan in 2016. And I came out on the other side of that, a better person, a stronger person, my relationship with God, so much stronger, so much closer. And I felt at that time that God was calling me to branch out and make more of an impact that would last beyond this lifetime, you know, where's the eternal fruit. So um, that was the catalyst to me deciding to start the Born to Impact podcast. Now, when I started the Born to Impact podcast, I had all these accolades in business, but again, never hosted a podcast before. Fortunately, I had my uh, my good friend, Dan Long, his, uh, his nickname is Kill Mode, very high energy guy. Um, he's the co-host of the podcast. I asked him, he's a local guy here in Tampa Bay area. And I said, let's just do the first episode, you and I, right? As like a dry run practice. And it was terrible. I mean, it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad to the point that it was unpublishable. We, we, we basically spent the day, did two different takes on the episode and we're like, we can't put this out there. It's so bad, you know, and, and it was overthinking and very scripted. And I had like a PowerPoint presentation. I was kind of going back to my teacher days. And I said, man, like, I, I'm really not good at this podcast thing, you know, and I had told people about the podcast and this is another one of those things, right? Like I already put myself out there. I already told people I was doing it. I told my Instagram following that, that it's coming, right? million plus people at the time. I told all my friends and my colleagues and my buddies that born to impact, everyone's pumped, everyone's hyped. And then we tried to record the first episode and it's so bad to the point where it was like, I wish I'd never said anything about it because if I never put it out there, I probably wouldn't go through with it because I was really uncomfortable. So what I did, um, our friend Bajos Colian talks about stacking small wins and I was actually going out to see Bedros in California to speak at his mastermind group. And then I had like three or four other podcasts that were scheduled that where I was being interviewed while I was out there. 
I went and I spoke uh, at Bezos to Bezos' group, crushed it. I did um, the Empire podcast, which was his podcast, crushed it as a guest. I did the Passionate Few podcast while I was out there with our friend Omar, crushed it. And like three or four other things that I did was out there, and it was seamless, really good. And I said, well, what was the difference between what just happened there? I mean, uh, I just crushed all these podcasts, but yet I suck so bad about uh, trying to create my own. And then I said, I need to just get back to being me and stop overthinking this, right? So we got we cut the script. We had three or four bullet points of topics that we were going to bat around, probably very similar to what you did to prepare for most of these interviews today, uh, Brendan. And you do an amazing job, by the way. Um, and we just – I talked with my buddy Dan like we were having lunch. And we went through these topics and the normal conversation that we would have. And I just relied on being myself. And I told him, look, just do the same thing. Let's just have a conversation. Everyone loves kind of huddling around when Joel and Dan are kind of uh, um, just having some banter going back and forth, right? So let's just do that. And we did, and it was like night and day so much different. But I had to go get those those uh, small wins, four or five of those small wins stacked together to rebuild my confidence, to come back and say, okay, let me. what did I learn here? And then we did, we did it. But the moral of the story, guys, is this. Whenever you are doing something new, and it may be your first thing that you're doing in business, was I a great marketer when I first started? No, I was terrible, right? Uh, was, was I good at sales when I first started? No, I was absolutely terrible. In fact, I did my college internship at Gold's Gym as a personal trainer, and I was the lowest performing sales personal trainer in the entire building when, <laughs> during my internship, when I interned there for two months during the summer. The worst guy at sales in the entire, and like this is a guy who just sold a hundred thousand dollar mastermind out with a hundred members, right? So it's funny how things can change when once you become comfortable, and and Brenda keeps going back to this over and over again. Once you become comfortable with the skill set, and when you have the conviction about what it is that you're selling. Now, if I went back to Gold's Gym, I'd run circles around all those trainers that are in that place, right? But that's because I look at sales in such a different way. I would, I would find the correct prospects. I would add value to their lives. I would show them why they needed the service. And then I give it to them at a great price. And then I'd over deliver, right? Those are all things I knew nothing about back then when I was really, really bad at sales. But as you become more comfortable by doing these things over and over again, anything you do for the first time or even the second time or the third time, you're not going to be very good at it. And I tell my kids as they're learning sports, right? My daughter goes to basketball camp and she's like, daddy, I'm not good. I'm like, you're not going to be good. You never played this sport before. You know, like I played basketball all growing up. The first time I picked up a basketball and probably most people, even Michael Jordan got cut when he was a sophomore in, uh, in high school, right? Like you're not going to be amazing at something you never done. And you have to accept that, that you're going to be bad at first, but practice makes perfect, right? It's the old adage. And maybe not perfect, but you're still going to get really, really good with practice. You're just keeping one foot in front of the other. We have five pillars of impact at Born to Impact, and my two favorite probably are patience and perseverance because it's going to take time to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. And as long as you keep going, you always, always will get there. I've never met one person, literally never met one single person who said, I spent my whole life just trying to do X, Y, Z. Every single day I worked hard at it. I, 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 I. I, I woke up every morning, I put my best effort in, I did everything right, I learned and I studied, and then I put it all into action, and I never, it never happened for me. I never got there. Never met the person. Never met it one person. 
might take six months, might take a year, may take a couple years to, you know, have that blow that comes down that breaks the stone, but you will always, always eventually get there if you never, ever give up. So I encourage people who, as you're listening, as you're hearing all these amazing speakers and you see all the things that they've accomplished and you say, man, I wish I was like Jen or I wish I was like Jay or Jay Shetty. If you look back at Jay Shetty just a few years ago, no one knew who the heck this guy was, right? How talented he is though. But he probably, the first video he came out with probably wasn't very good. I'm just going to guess. I don't know. I have to ask Jay. But the first video that Jay Shetty created, he's known as the guru, probably the number one guy in viral video. That, him and our, our friend Prince EA, the first video these guys created probably were terrible. They weren't very good at all. But they kept at it. They refined their craft. And now they can say that I'm one of the best in the world at this. But it doesn't happen overnight. You got to keep going. You got to have patience and perseverance. I love it. Talk to us about actually launching the podcast. So what what do you think what do you think helped make it go? Because you know, you went from like dead stop. Mm-hmm blowing up this podcast what, what are some of the things like tactically you feel like really worked in getting the message out there about this particular podcast well i had the built-in audiences and i kind of go back to that like i did with my book right i had no no platform and no real audience very small anyway at the time uh when i launched my print book and it did do so well because i didn't know how to get it into people's hands i didn't have that built-in platform or audience now i have a very large email list i have a large instagram following that i built and I have people to promote it to. And then just like I did, it's very interesting because I see, as I start to do new things, I go back and I just do the same things that made me successful in other arenas that I've been successful in. So what did I do when I started with eBooks? I just printed off the top 20 in ClickBank and said, here's my hit list of all the people I want to network with. And then I reached out to them. I became friends. I added value however I could. And I did the same exact thing when I, got on Instagram and in the podcast circuit. I printed off all the guys who had were in the, you know, the personal development space or in the entrepreneur space who I wanted to network with, who had big podcasts, who had big social followings. And I did the same exact thing. Now I had my reputation as a marketer and stuff kind of behind me at this time, but I was nobody when it came to, I was like, I started an Instagram account and I didn't even have a personal Instagram account. Like I literally had started at zero followers. So I had nothing to offer these guys from the terms of podcast or, you know, uh, in the terms of um, uh, I had some social following or something. No credibility in the space that I was entering in. But I had credibility over here that I borrowed from, right? So same thing. I just added value. I became good friends with a lot of different people. And then when it came time for me to launch my podcast, they're like, sure, I'll be a guest on the show. You know, and I said, listen, we're going to promote this on, on my Instagram page. We're going to promote this on to my email list. And uh, however I can continue to add value to you, we'll promote it. No expectation for you to promote it. I would love to um, have you on the show and give you some exposure. Always giving without the expectation that someone is going to do something in return. Now, most times they will. Okay, and that's the beautiful part about good people and reciprocity, right, is that most times it will come back to you. But if you're giving with the expectation that, you know, if I do X for, for uh, this person, then they're going to do Y for me, right, you're going to get disappointed a lot because it's not always going to work that way. But the grand scheme of things and the way that the universe tends to work is what you put out there. Our, my friend Bobby Castro sold this company for over a billion dollars. He uh, just love his energy on social media. He's just one of these 
look him up, Bobby Castro. I'll give him, I'll give him a, uh, a shout out. Just, just a, an incredible human being. And the first time I met him, I just felt his positive energy. But super successful in business. But he has this this theory that everything that you're doing good for other people is just putting an invoice out there in the world. And eventually, all the invoices get paid. You know, maybe not by that person, but somebody will pay it. Somebody will come along and pay that invoice, and then you know your Goodwill bank account is always full. So I just encourage people, as you are um, starting things, networking is so huge. You can't do it alone, right? Now, Brendan will be the first person to tell you that. Can't put on a, a virtual conference, an influencer summit, without all these amazing friends that and friendships that you built over time. And and how are those friendships built? It's by adding value, receiving value. Networking is is by and far probably the number one way that I've been able to build businesses over the years, providing value to other people. And so, um, so undersold now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, hey, I mentioned this earlier today. We've all been locked down. But the reality is we've been isolated for years and years and years and years. And it's really rare what you and I in our industry does is like we try to get together and learn from each other multiple times a year. Right. And try to go to each other's conferences and take each other's notes and attend things like this. And then on top of all of that, we are in an industry that really loves collabs, collaborations. You know, it's like I'll, I'll go on Joel's podcast one day. He'll come on my podcast one day. Um, you know, Tom Billiard or Lewis Howes, who are on with us tomorrow, like I'll go on theirs. I'll be like the, the ping ponging of reciprocity happens not because we're all out to get something, because we have similar purposes and we're aligning to some type of purpose. Like I go on their shows and you go on their shows because you relate with their mission and their purpose. And we're all contributing voices to similar purposes. And I think that's, that gets lost somewhere in the, if you're new, you think I can't do this. It's a collaborative environment. And the first sets of uh, collaborations you do, the first networking experiences you have are with people like you who are just beginning. And then you're at next level two when you're doing it. And then you're in the next level three when you're doing it better. And then one day you look around and you're like, wow, these people are amazing. All these people did this and that and that. And it just, it almost, it's not that we're, we don't try to network up there, but you kind of, you grow up with groups of people and you, you're always leveling up to try to reach the next group, not because of ego, but because, oh, wow, there's another level of service there. There's a, for me, I love hanging out with people like Joel because I'm like, I'm going to learn something. You know, I, I was launching a supplement last year or two, I guess two years ago now. And Joel was there and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna have to, I don't know anything about this. So I'm gonna have to learn from you. And uh, other people likewise. And now I, I was able to do a deal and sell my supplement um, brand, to, uh, which we'll be announcing soon. That unbelievable, uh, unbelievable result. Because I listened and I learned and I reached out. Um, with that, though, Joel, I, I know we're coming up to the top of the hour. So I'd love to ask you the uh, same question I ask everybody is like, when people are at that stage where they're going to start or really scale, what's some parting advice you would like to give to this audience today? Yes, I heard you ask this question to Dave. I enjoyed his answer. I know so many other people will have um, amazing uh, perspective to shine on this. If I'm going to give you what I truly believe, it's two things that this will make all the difference. You do these two things and I think you'll be successful. Okay. Number one, 
you have to believe it is possible for you. Okay. Not that it's possible. Somebody says, well, you just got to believe it's possible. That's not enough. You have to believe it's possible for you to be successful, to enter into that niche, to, uh, go after what it is that you, your hopes and dreams are to, to, make a hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever it is that your goal is, even be it short-term goal, you have to believe it is possible for you, not for them, not for some people, but for you. And once you truly believe that with conviction, there's very few things that are going to be able to stop you. The second thing that I would recommend that you do, and it's something that I did back when I started, I paid a, I was, I was broke. I was uh, making $42,000 a year as a high school teacher. I had credit card debt and I had, I was literally broke. What I decided to do was hire a coach. I didn't really have the money to hire a coach, but I knew that if I hired a coach, I would be able to fast track my way to being successful in the industry that I wanted to enter into because the coach already had been there, done that. So I encourage you pay for speed, buy speed, invest in yourself, be willing to invest in yourself. How do you do that? You find somebody who is in the industry that you're looking to get into and you hire them, someone who's already been there, done that. So I hired an individual by the name of Craig Ballantyne. Craig Ballantyne was already running the seven figure information product business, eBooks in health and fitness. He's already been around the block. So he was offering coaching package, six phone calls, three grand. Did I have $3,000 at the time? No. I actually had to go borrow some of the money and I had to put some of the money on what was left on one of my credit cards. Okay. But because number one, I believed it was possible for me and I knew come hell or high water, I was going to be successful. I didn't have any problem investing that $3,000. Because I believe that I was going to be successful and $3,000 at some point in time was going to be a drop in the bucket. So if you have number one down, you're not going to have any problem with number two. You're not going to have any problem investing in yourself and hiring a coach or, or putting some cash out there to buy speed or to learn from somebody who has been there, done that. In the whoever's just how valuable is it if you're entering something, a new, a new business or, or, um, a career path and you can go and get somebody on the phone who has built the exact business that you wanted to build. And you can ask them any question that you want to want to and learn from them. How much quick more quickly are you going to get to being successful in that business? Now, sure. Maybe you, maybe I would have figured it out on my own. Maybe I would have still gotten there. And I truly do believe that I would have, but I certainly would not have got there in the speed that I did. I had Craig, not only did he like, was he reviewing my marketing? Was he teaching me things about sales copy? Was he showing me the ropes in some other areas that I wasn't familiar with? But he also introduced me to a couple other people that could have taken me months, if not years, to network to myself. All right, And that was simply because I chose to hire a coach or a mentor. So believe it's possible for you. And then I, I really believe in the beginning, in the very beginning, Go ahead and hire some coaching, or hire a mentor, get some mentorship in your life to help you fast track your way to success to getting there. Joel, Marion, give this guy a round of applause. Let's go, man. That's so good. So I love that. I love. I mean, that is the one-two punch right there. I believe it's possible for you. And then 
get help, get a consultant, get coach, get training, get whatever you need to go to another level. That's, that's so good. Joel, thank you for joining us today, buddy. I appreciate it so, so much. A pleasure to be here. And I, I will just say this about Craig. Craig was my first business coach. He's one of my dear friends. He was a groom's 